Well, today uh, is a day of challenge. Uh, this, uh, not like the book of James has been so easy so far uh, and so gracious and kind, but today, like, it's a whole new level uh, of God kind of telling us um, who we are and what we're capable of, both good and bad. And so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in James chapter 3. Uh, I don't know, do you have, uh, how many of you have a dog? You're like, you, own, you have a dog as a pet. Uh, people, some of you are proud of that. Um, exciting. Well, dog, dogs are man's best friend. Uh, people don't say that about cats. Um, just saying. I'm just saying. If you, if, you, if you have cats, praise the Lord. But um, you know, the reason dogs have so many friends is that dogs uh, often wag their tails a lot more than they flap their tongue. And, and there's some truth in that, right? So how, how we should respond to people, that we, we should be more excited to see people than to just flap our gums all the time and have people hear us and uh, be heard because we want to be here. We like the sound of our own voice. And today we're going to talk a lot, uh, almost exclusively, uh, about speaking and our tongues and what we say. Uh, because you might know that the tongue uh, is one of the strongest muscles in the body. Uh, it only weighs about two ounces. Uh, I'm not sure how they measure that, but that's what they say. Uh, and, and you may know that we spend about 20% of our life talking. 20%. Also true, women say more words than men in a day. Just, I'm just stating facts, ladies and gentlemen. There's no, no pretense about that. Because no one's counting today. No one's counting. But as James has been sharing with us uh, over these past few chapters, as we've looked at it, uh, talking without putting our faith into action is a recipe for trouble. When you and I talk a big game, but our life doesn't match our speech, it's a problem. And James is very clear on that issue, that when what we say doesn't match how we live, it's empty, it's useless, it's vain, it's dead. And today is one of those things, those areas that if you've been in church a while, you've probably heard this passage before, but it's not a fun one. Because James speaks very directly to the destructive nature of our speech, the destructive nature of our tongue, uh, the power of our tongue. The, the beauty of the tongue is, is that it's creative and it's beautiful and we can say glorious things, we can write wonderful songs, we, we can share blessing to God and to others. Uh, speech is what brought forth creation into existence. God spoke it. And it became, there's great power, there's wonder, there's creativity. There are many profitable uses for speech. But James, as he writes to these early Christians, also points out that the, the tongue can be very destructive. And so we need to take care of how we speak and what we say and what comes off of these lips and tongue. And so if you have your Bible open to James chapter 3, uh, we're going to read uh, quite a bit today, the first 12 verses uh, of this chapter. And it says this in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. What, what a joy that would be. Able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs them. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and of sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Aren't you glad you came today? With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, James uh, doesn't pull any punches here. It's pretty straightforward, very vivid in his description. But he launches this passage uh, with a stern warning to people who might want to be a teacher, uh, a teacher uh, of the Scripture. And he says, be careful, because you might want to do that out of vanity or self-promotion. But know that you're going to be under greater scrutiny, greater accountability, because you have a greater responsibility. And the words that you speak, the, the words of God are powerful words, and so don't take that lightly. And so if you're a Sunday school teacher here, Bible study leader, uh, thank you for serving. Uh, know that what you say matters. What you say matters. So take care in speaking. And then he gets personal. After he has this little warning about teachers, he gets very personal to all of us. Anybody who would claim the name of Christ would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if we were all perfect? The problem is we all stumble. All of us, no matter who we are, we all stumble. We all fall on our face. We all fall short of the glory of God, Romans says. We all sin and we do things that are not pleasing to God. Every one of us does that. We all do it. None are perfect. But there's something special, something unique about the connection between holiness, maturity in the faith. That's what this word perfect means. It means mature, complete, whole in the faith. There's something unique about that connection of holiness and maturity and our words, our tongue, our mouth. It's like a one-to-one -one ratio. That if we can control our speech, then we are maturing. We are moving towards perfection, completeness, wholeness. 
It's a sign of strength in, in your relationship with your Savior, Jesus. Because there's lots of ways that we see examples of people not being able to hold their tongue. Like, it's all over social media these days, like, because everybody has a camera ready to show the world how you were mean or nasty, how you said something ugly. Or maybe, as I shared in my blurb this week, you got your wisdom teeth out. I got mine out a long time ago, and thankfully, there were no video cameras then. But you might have made a pass at your oral surgeon, you know, like a romantic pass uh, in your stupor. Uh, you might have said something wild and crazy. You might have confessed something to your mom or dad that you were hoping to never share with them, some hidden secret about your life. Maybe you thought your tongue was cut off, like I know someone thought their tongue was cut off and made a video about it. Like there's all kinds of things that we say when, when, we're, when we're angry, when we're sad, when we're upset, when we've been given drugs, right? There's all kinds of things that we say and do that, that may or may not honor God. But it's amazing how something so very small can control the rest of our bodies. Because it's true that our tongue directs our steps. The things that we say direct our steps. They show us where we go. They give direction to our life, our speech. And these days, you don't have to even speak it. You can just type it on a keyboard and let the whole world know how right you are and how perfect you are and how so-and-so is a fool or why can't they do this or I can't believe they said that or whatever, whatever, fill in the blank of your pet peeve. But how we go is how our tongues lead us, how our mouth leads us, how our speech directs us. And he gives us three amazing examples. He, he talks about the bridle of a horse, how this giant beast can be controlled by one small piece of metal. Not just the mouth and the face, but the whole body of this massive animal can be controlled with a small piece of metal. How a ship though giant as it may be, literally is controlled by a handle. That's the word, the rudder, is literally a handle. A handle controls the direction of this giant ship. That's true today. <laughs> a forest fire, sort of by just a tiny spark. We don't have many forest fires around here. They're mostly in California and in Colorado, but uh, I was watching the night, don't judge me, please, uh, we're talking about speech, so be nice to me. I was watching this documentary on these two, this married couple. They were a volcanologist. They study volcanoes. I could, you're riveted, I can tell already. <laughs> so they actually, uh, they were these premier experts. They're this French couple. They're premier experts in volcanology. And they would go and like camp out beside an active volcano. Are you crazy? 2,000 degrees, that lava is flowing. Now, I don't want to spoil it for you, but they died in a volcano in 1991 in Japan. So, fire is hot and destructive and terrible. And that's what James says about our tongue, is that this little muscle in our mouth can destroy 
acres and acres and acres of lives. And so think about your tongue and the things that you've said and maybe how your tongue has directed your steps. Perhaps this week or sometime in the past, you made a statement at work about your supervisor or maybe your boss's boss, and somehow, some way, it made it back to them. And that directed your step in maybe a not so great way. Maybe a simple comment that you didn't think twice about changed the course of a relationship, maybe for good or for bad. But a throwaway comment that if you had it to do over again, you wish you could take back. Or maybe it was one that propelled the relationship forward in a positive way. Maybe you've had an evening at home ruined because of a careless word. Maybe you're here today and you have lots of scars. They're not seen, they're hidden. They're hidden scars from words that have been spoken to you that have changed the trajectory of your life. Words are powerful. And that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt, that's a bunch of hogwash. Brandy and Reed wanted me to walk up today to that song by Pink that has that phrase in it, like my walk-up song. (laughs) I chose not to. Chose not to. Maybe, Maybe next time. But, but words are not only influential, they, they can be evil and destructive. But look at the, the, the vivid language he uses to describe how powerful and how harmful our words can be. Because our words, they do have the power to destroy us. And they have the power to destroy everything around us. We, we have the power on our tongue to mess up a lot. And James is warning us, not, let it be different with you. Let, let life-giving words come from you because your tongue is filled, like on top of your tongue is a world of unrighteousness. I just want you to think about that phrase for a second, a world of unrighteousness. So think about our world, the earth. Imagine the earth of unrighteousness, of unholiness, that magnitude of unholiness just kind of camping out on your tongue. that's, That's impossible to think about, right? It's almost unimaginable. A world of unrighteousness that, that creates fire. Proverbs 16 calls our tongue, a, could be a scorching fire, staining the entire body. It can set fire to the direction of our lives, and it's set on fire by hell. Now, that's not hell as in the place where everybody goes who, doesn't love, who don't love Jesus. This hell here is the word Gehenna, which in the ancient world, like really ancient world, Old Testament times, is where they would practice human sacrifice outside of a city. In the ancient world, as in the first century-esque, it would be the place of all the trash, the rubbish pile, 
the burn pile is what we would say, kind of in, if you're in East Texas, the burn pile. It's where they would go to burn all the garbage, and it was a constant flame. It was a constant burning of garbage. Then that's what your life is like. Do you ever been around garbage for a long time, like near a dumpster? Smells good, doesn't it? Want to have dinner there? No. And then light that on fire and see how it smells. Like it makes it even better. That, that's the imagery here, that there's this burning trash. That's the power of our tongue, is to spread that smell and that destruction and that leftovers everywhere we go. We're worse than an untamed animal. Restless evil. Constantly on the move for more destruction, right? That's if you're restless. You know how if you didn't sleep well last night, you tossed and turned, you're restless or, or you're just fidgety or you've been at home like cooped up after it's been raining uh, for a while and you're just you're like, I, I got to go. That, that's the idea here. Restless desire to just spread destruction everywhere. And we think, well, David, we're, we're not that bad. Well, oh no, yes you are. Because I'm that bad. Right? J- James isn't like just picking favorites here. He's like all of us have the power, this kind of power on our tongue. Now the question is, how are we going to use it? Because he says we can use it as deadly venom, as poison. And it's, it's the kind of poison that may not kill you immediately. Probably won't. When we use our words for destruction, they don't kill immediately. It takes some time. And we slowly tear people down with our words. And we lose relationships. We lose opportunities. We miss out on blessing others. We set the course of their life in motion in a way that maybe they didn't want. And they can't recover from it because they don't know how. Because instead of honoring them, you chose to curse them. One of my worst memories in my life happened when I was in T-ball, which was a couple of years ago. I'll never forget. T-ball. I was five years old. I was good. And one of my friends lost the game for us. And when he came to the bench, I said, why are you even playing? Hmm. I know you've never done anything like that. (laughs) Careless word. My parents made me apologize to him, which I did. Reluctantly. Fortunately, that didn't scar him forever. We were still friends afterwards. But our tongues reveal who we are. And that's why James gives us these wonderful illustrations about the inconsistency of who we are. That with our tongues, we bless God, which is the highest and best use of your speech, is to bless God. That's what he created us for, is to bless him and to honor him. 
God made us for blessing him. But the central point of this problem is that we do that and then we curse his creation who were made in his image, in his likeness. That's the problem. We bless God and then we curse our friends, families, enemies, strangers who were made in the likeness of God. He says that, in the likeness of God. And so we do a little transitive property for all you math folks. When we curse those who are made in his image, what do we do? We curse him. We speak against him. Blessing and cursing should not come. I don't mean cussing. I mean cursing, like speaking negatively about someone. Complaining, mumbling, griping, telling them how horrible they are, talking to other people about them, backbiting, all that stuff. Hiding behind the keyboard, sharing your thoughts just because, you know, you got to be the truth teller. Should not be so. It cannot, should not come from the same mouth. That word that he uses, it, that phrase, these things ought not to be so. Ought not. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. It means these things, blessing God and cursing humanity, do not fit. They ought not be. It's like puzzle pieces that don't fit together. They're incongruent. They don't match. They can't coexist together. They don't fit. But we, as people, have perfected a way in our own minds to make them fit. We leave a church and we go somewhere else and we blame somebody. We walk out of worship today and you complain that the check-in systems didn't work or Randy didn't get them done quick enough or something. We get to the restaurant and we don't like the way the server looks or treats us, messes the order up. We get to work tomorrow. We complain. We finish praying and we go chew our kid out because they didn't do the dishes. Like this is sort of the reality that we live in because we're good at it. And James says, let it not be so. Your tongue reveals who you are, so let's show the world who we are if we claim the name of Jesus. Let us be people who deliver fresh water living water, not brackish water, not water that's mixed, good for nothing. Let's be people who deliver goodness and grace. As James says earlier, if we're going to be people who are maturing in our faith and we're going to use our tongues for positive and not negative, then we better listen carefully first and allow our tongue to hide behind our teeth for a little longer than we normally would so that we don't say something carelessly or loosely. We don't say something out of emotional reaction. We don't say something that's going to harm instead of help. It would actually listen to God, be sensitive to what he's saying to us, that we would hear others and speak into their lives in a way that 
sets them on a trajectory that honors him. Because fresh and salt water are not compatible. You don't get olives from a fig tree. You don't get figs from grapevines. And so what is your life producing? What is our mouth producing? The great preacher Charles Spurgeon from a long, long time ago said this, that which is in the well will come up in the bucket. I know we're all farmers here and we understand that. That which is in the well will come up in the bucket. That which is in the heart will come up on the tongue. And so today, I want to invite you, not just today, but this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning, at school or work tomorrow, at lunch, in the afternoon, when you get home, before you go to bed, the next day and the next day and the next day, to constantly ask the Lord, God, I need you to change my heart. Because in every one of those moments, there's going to be opportunity for you to light a fire. For you to spread poison. For you to be deadly venom to somebody else with your words. They abound for us. That you would ask God to change your heart. That he would constantly cleanse your heart so that the pure water, the living water of Jesus would pour forth from your mouth. And that your steps and the steps of those around you will be one of maturity and grace and compassion. May we desire to bless God and to bless others with what we say. Will you pray with me?